Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, here with Keith Myers. And uh, finally, we have reached the week where we have real football coming up uh, this week against the Raiders this Saturday. And we've got the scrimmage game to talk about um, in this show and a lot more. So finally, Keith, we're sitting down. We're talking about real things that we can, we've actually seen and we can comment on. So... Yeah, it's uh, if does this off season feel like it's been significantly longer than those in previous years? Because it feels like it's been significantly longer to me. It's been a been a bit of a stretch um, to get us here, and I am so ready for football. Just so ready for football. Yeah, content wise, I think we've done we've done fine. It seems like it's been an, a normal year, but there's just so many other things going on. Uh, in the world. And you've been really busy uh, with this year with school and, and with your business and uh, with moving. And um, it's, it's just been a lot on your plate Mm -hmm. and, you know, both of us have had a lot of stuff going on. So um, yeah, it is nice to get to this point where from now on through the the remaining part of the season, however long that lasts, we're talking uh, football, we're watching games and um, that's, that's the fun part. Yeah, we, we love our off-season, but man, there's nothing like the real deal. Yeah, and it's an excuse to sit down for three hours a week and, and watch a game. <laughs> um, I don't know when the last time it was that I I, yeah. um, I got to sit and, and do that for a while, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. uh, Although we had a, we had a scrimmage um, that we can talk about this week, too. So. Yeah. Well, a couple of, of announcements really quick. So um, just a reminder uh, for those that, that don't know already, Keith and I uh, are joining a, um, a football network, pod, uh, a podcast network called the Pigskin Podcast Network. And we're going to be affiliated with those guys going forward. It's just going to give us a little bit more of an opportunity uh, to extend our reach a little bit and, um, and possibly provide us with a little bit of ad revenue and so forth. So there'll be a little bit of changes. The biggest change that that everyone will notice is that Keith and I are going to change formats a little bit. And we're going to go to uh, three half hour shows a week. So three times a week um, you'll, you'll have us in your podcast feed as opposed to the, the one really long show right now. So a little bit more uh, digestible and listener friendly. I think uh, moving forward, content should be the same though. If you're if you're worried about that, it's we're just taking no our, that we're way. taking our, our hour and a half long show and all the the um, the stuff that we do with it, and we're just breaking it up into different parts during the week, which um, we think will work better for our listeners. Uh, and yeah, we're just we're gonna try it and see how it works. Yeah, so it'll be good. Um, this week is a big week. Um, we came off the scrimmage this last weekend. We've got a little bit to talk about there. We've got some team news, and then we're going to preview the Seahawks at Oakland. <laughs> I can't believe I just said Oakland. I literally had Las Vegas in my brain, and it just slipped out. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders 
And um, so that'll be a great matchup. First time that we'll be able to see the team in real action against another team. I'm sure the players, just like every year, are really anxious to hit somebody else in front of them as opposed to their own guys. And um, we just get a chance to kind of see the lay of the land with the team. Um, but first, let's talk about a couple of things that, that went on this week. Um, Alden Smith was released to not our surprise at all. Uh, Keith and I remained fairly conservative in our outlook when, whenever uh, we talked about Alden Smith and his role in, in the team um, until it actually happened. I don't mm-hmm. think that either one of us were convinced that he was going to be with the team long term or have an impact. And sure enough, he was let go. Um, any thoughts around that, Keith? Well, I just think it was one of those things where the team signed him. There was off-season stuff going on. They decided to wait it out and see if uh, his side was going to be able to do what they said they were going to be able to do and show that it, it never actually happened and blah, blah, blah. And that it just never went away. Um, and he was going to have to leave the team to go be arraigned and and all of that and they were just like you know what we don't need to deal with you and they have had some injury at linebacker they've had some depth issues and so they were like all right you we're just going to cut him we're going to bring in a linebacker and um you know continue on with camp which honestly the team didn't really need him he was one of those guys that was a luxury signing yeah and he 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 was fighting for a roster spot like just to make the team so it's not it's not like a it's not a, a, a huge loss to the team and it's not well, a surprise at all. You know, I, I disagree with that in just a little bit is I think that he was going to play a fairly significant uh, rotation role on there. I don't know how many snaps a game, but I'm sure it was probably somewhere in the 20 to 25 range, which is a fairly significant amount. And during those snaps, he really did have an opportunity to kind of impact the game just because of his skill set. So I think there is a little bit of a. I'm missing there, but we, I think we have so many other pieces, you know, guys like Alden Robinson and certainly Daryl Taylor will benefit, I think, from, from having him off the roster, just from a, a snap count perspective well, and, and their ability to kind of impact the game. He looked like he was going to primarily be Daryl Taylor's backup. Yes. And so unless there's a Daryl Taylor injury, I didn't see a lot of snaps for him. Because they've already got other guys at both sides of the on the of the defensive end that are going to demand snaps as far as the rotation. I mean, you're not pulling Carlos Dunlap or um, you know Robinson or Hyder out just so you can get Alden Smith some snaps. Um, and so that's why I just didn't think it was it was that impactful that they they decided to uh, finally move on. But I mean. In the end, we don't know, and we're we were both we're both just speculating. But it, it was not a surprising move. Like we kind of expected this for the last like three months, or at least two months, um, and there it happened. Yeah, I think that when you you combine that with the fact that you know you're going to want to get uh, players like Jamal Adams and um, Marquise Blair on the field more just from the sheer athleticism um, and, and ability to drop back into coverage and all that kind of stuff, they probably would have the edge there to, to be on the field during passing downs, possibly. I mean, Alden Smith certainly can get to the quarterback, so it would have been more likely that Alden Smith moves up 
on that line and somebody else like Hyder is sat down for that play or two or whatever. Um, he, he, it seems like it would have been more logical for the team to use him as a pass rusher as opposed to the, the linebacker stuff. But I get it because we are fairly light at the linebacker position right now. Well, that's what he did. Considering a few injuries. That's what he did last year for Dallas. Um, is he was an outside linebacker and played that strong side. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I, I think when they signed him, it was a Daryl Taylor hedge um, in case that leg injury um, was a problem in camp. And it hasn't been a problem. And Taylor's looked excellent. And so all reports are that he hasn't, ha- isn't having any pain or any discomfort mm-hmm. or anything. And so, yeah, it seems like the team is really counting on him to have a big role this year. And I think we'll talk about that today, too. We're going to have kind of a risers and fallers kind yeah. of segment a little bit later. I'm sure his name's going to come up. So um, one of the things I checked out right before we got on, Keith, was uh, I checked the uh, the ticker out there for player movement and so forth and noticed that the Lions this morning released Quentin Dunbar, their cornerback they just acquired uh, for really hardly nothing um, in free agency just because it was kind of a prove it year after coming off the injuries had a abysmal uh, showing in Seattle um, after Seattle gave him a contract last year. So would the team possibly entertain bringing a guy back like Quentin Dunbar if he's healthy? Now I would imagine they released him because his his knee just wasn't holding up or something. But um, since they already know him, they know the character. If, if that all checked out, that wasn't the issue in Seattle. It was just the health of the knee. This year, would they take another look at him? Um, if he fit last year, would he fit this year? Um, I think he is one of those guys that you call if somebody gets hurt. You leave him, leave him out there. Let him rehab, get healthy, continue to to work on on the health. Well, of DJ that Reed does have kind of the um, the hamstring. The oh no, it's a groin, groin injury. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that could be a concern. It could be, but, but we're Flowers still, is doing great. We're still a month out from week one. That's hard to believe, isn't it? We're still a month away from regular season. Yeah, because even though there's three preseason games still to come, and then there's a weird a extra, week gap. extra week in the middle yeah, between the preseason and uh, the week one game, which we're used to, you know, you're used to it, it you know, just you get done with the preseason, they set the roster, and it's a Tuesday, and they're prepping for week one, and now there's a whole nother week. Um, it is interesting the league made that choice um, to add a week there as opposed and, and, and extend the season into January by a week versus the opposite direction. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can see it because teams were probably interested. I mean, you, you lose a week of practice before the start of the season and, and if you do it the other way. And so they wanted to get, um, to have the same number of practices as if you were going to have four preseason games without the fourth preseason game. Uh, so it's, um, I mean, it made sense to me. Like I, 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 I didn't uh, I didn't hate it when when it came out. It's just weird for us because we're not used to it. So let's talk about what everybody's talking about right now. And and I'm not sure why. It's just one of those things where I think people start to feel the kind of the urgency of getting key players on the field. And um, Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown are at the facility and standing on the sidelines, but they are not participating in practice. So. They're not mm-hmm. getting fines. It seems like that's kind of a goodwill move uh, to have the players in, being able to go through um, all the 
the walkthroughs, all that kind of stuff. But all the meetings, all of yeah. the film yeah. sessions, but they're not working out. They're not doing any, or they're work, they're doing their own conditioning and that kind of stuff. But they're not on the field with the team during practice. They're not risking injury while they wait for a new contract. Exactly. Well, let's so. talk about the new contract stuff. So Jamal Adams, it's been reported. Bob Condotta came out with some specific figures. God, they're so, I want to run by you. They're so, so close. They're so yeah. well, close. 70 million over four years, which is about 18, 18 million a year plus, and then 38 million guaranteed. Now I had come out a, a few weeks ago and put out a tweet, I think in response to Chris Clough had a tweet about where does everyone think Jamal Adams is going to be? And I wrote uh, 68 million over four years and 45 million guaranteed. So I'm not too far off, but something's got to give with, with Seattle. Seattle seems to have gr- agreed on the, um, yeah, they have the, they on have, the, on the, on the numbers <clears throat> per se, but not on the payouts. Yeah. So, so there's a couple different things. One is, um, the, they're, they're short that they're off about 2 million in guarantees. Um, that Adams wants 40 and the team's offered 38. Yes. Um, which doesn't seem to be a big deal. It doesn't. Uh, but so what's the sticking point then? <clears throat> well, and so that's part of it. And then the other part of it is where are the bonuses and where, you know, where, when does the money go to Adams and Adams wants more of it up front. And in the first couple of years, the team wants to push some of it back uh, for cap reasons and As other it does reasons with every major contract that they do. Yeah. This isn't an unusual <laughs> stance for Seattle. This is what they do with Bobby Wagner. This is what they do with Wilson. Yeah. They want to carry that bonus stuff. They have the opportunity to to carry it over four years. That's mm-hmm. what they want to do. Yeah. Jamal Adams would like it, you know, up front in the first three years. Yeah. He, you know, and the reason for that for him is that when it's done, right? So when you, when you're, when you have no, no more dead money and no more guaranteed money and that kind of stuff. That's when you either get another big contract. Mm-hmm. Your or, leverage goes way up. Yeah. Or you get traded and someone else gives you a big contract. So yes. he's looking at a way to um, increase his leverage for the next round of negotiations. Absolutely. Um, in reality, what they're looking at is it's in his best interest to sign this deal, not just because it's a ton of money, but because the team could pay him a lot less. Yeah. Well, he's, I can, t- I can show you how they do that. Yeah. He's, so the team has team control for, for, for three, three more years. years. He's, under, so he's contract. under contract this year under 9.8. And then mm-hmm. he's got the franchise tag in 2022 and a franchise and a tag in 2023. And both numbers are lower yep. than the current amount proposed in the new contract. Yep. 12 and a half and 15. So he, if you look at at those three years, it would all there are you know guarantee that money. You come up to um, the about what was it about thirty six million total, and then they're offering thirty seven, which is where I'm sure that thirty eight came yeah. from. And and under contract uh, obligations, the team is perfectly um, in in the right to be able to do that with Jamal. Now there's you know, bad will and all that stuff and holdouts and distractions and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that can happen with that sort of a thing. Nobody wants that, but that's the leverage the Seahawks have in making sure Jamal Adams sticks to his, his end of the bargain. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, are you going to bet on yourself for three years trying to become a free agent at that point? 
um, and in order to ask for the extra money, or are you just going to recognize that the team's willing to give you a pretty significant pay yeah. raise in each of those three years? Yeah. Um, to if just, I was Jamal Adams, Keith, and this is just me, I, he signs this deal eventually because <clears throat> of the injury guarantees that this thing provides, yep. essentially. It's guaranteed money, uh, especially in the year uh, two through four, in that, you know, five days before the league um, calendar starts in February, um, that becomes fully guaranteed. So um, mm-hmm. it really helps him, you know, workouts and, and um, training camps and so forth going forward. If he gets injured, then, you know, all that money is still there. And I think that's why you see we're in a situation where it's like both teams have put in their quote final offer um, because they're that close. It really comes down to um, everything's been agreed upon, but these little tiny points and both teams are, or both sides are just being like, okay, what do we have to do to get, Well, Jamal said, is like, when do I actually want to show up for training camp? I really only need one game. So it's probably going to end up being you know, the third week that right before the the final preseason game, he gets a deal done. He's, he knows he's got two weeks of practice after that game to Mm -hmm. get in shape, get ready. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, they'll drag this out because it keeps him off the field and lets him avoid injury and, and let's face it. And he's it, healing up from three surgeries. So. Yeah. And there's, you have the part where um, training camp is, is necessary for teams, but players don't like it for the most part. It's like, it's a grueling process is just practice every day. Their bodies get real sore and, and all of that. So yeah, it's he's definitely like, more important for the, the rookie dudes, yeah. not the elite, elite players. Yeah. And those players that are the first year with the team. On Seattle, pretty much anyone on offense because they're installing an entirely new um, scheme. Like they need to be in there. But Adams was here last year. He knows the defense. That's not changing. Um, he's you know a veteran. That's not you know if he sits out a little longer and and he's uh, he's he'll be happy. Like, well, he, talk to me about the replacement level players that we've got on the roster right now that make this a little less painful for Seattle. And well, it gives Seattle actually a little bit of upside, even if it goes into the regular season well, I mean, a little bit. Marquise Blair has been been great in camp, and, and we know his talent, and we've seen it on the field. And the team is was in the process of coming up with really creative ways to get their third safety on the field because he's a guy you can't keep off the field, even though um, you've got Diggs and Adams that, that need to play every snap as well. So they were doing everything they could to get um, Blair on the field. And now if Adams ends up sitting out or whatever, um, Blair is like, a, he's a great fit for the, for the same role in the defense. And then you've got Amadi who is really pushing for those nickel snaps. He, you could tell the team is, is definitely has him in the mix for that. And if they want to go with a third safety, for matchup reasons, Ryan Neal has looked good in camp and he looked good last year when he got pressed into, into playing, even though he was the fourth string song, yeah. strong safety. But God, you almost put Neal in there to play the Jamal Adams role. And you just leave Blair in there where he was going to be. If Jamal Adams was on the field and that way your defense kind of stays schematically mm-hmm. the same and uh, guys can get used to playing with each other and stuff. So we'll talk about a little bit more about Blair and, and, um, and those guys, because, 
I saw a picture of Marquise Blair standing next to Diggs uh, from the scrimmage. And my goodness, Blair looks good. He's just a real good, solid looking football player. Um, Dwayne Brown. So you mentioned the offense. It's really important for guys to be out there. Dwayne Brown has decided that he wants an extension. Um, He's in the last year of his deal. He's 36 years old. Seattle, I am absolutely positive, went into this season thinking that they probably did not want to extend Brown. Otherwise, it probably would have been done, I think, earlier. Um, I think they they intended to go through this season and let him play out and see if Stoneforth was ready at the end of this year. And if not, they could have signed Brown to, you know, a small two-year deal or something um, next winter. Um, what are your thoughts around Dwayne Brown, the positioning that he's got? Um, does he come on the field even without a new extension or um, where does Seattle stand on this thing? Well, you were right. If if the Seahawks wanted to, to, to do that, I think it would either be done or they would have communicated to him and his people that, hey, we're going to get um, Adams' deal done and then we'll come talk to you and, and um, you know, we'll get that, that deal done too. I, I, I don't think he's liking what he's hearing from the team and that's what's leading to the, to the holdout. Um, he's also trying to, re, to use what happened with Russell Wilson in the off season um, as his own leverage saying, Hey, do you really want to piss off your star quarterback again? Um, and, uh, you know, so he's trying to use that as leverage to get some more money and, and that kind of stuff. And part of it is that if you look at, at, you know, things like pass block win rate, he was um, second in the league last year. Um, one of the best left tackles in the game, but yet he's making the 16th um, most money uh, as, you know, at, at tackle. So he's looking at that and going, yeah. Is he looking at Whitworth money? I don't, I don't think he's, he. I mean, where you're, you're paying a guy like 17 million a year at this point in his career, or do you extend him, give him a little bit more guaranteed money over two years and make the second year essentially voidable and just make it a one year contract essentially and give him a little bit more guaranteed money and, and get him happy. Yeah. Um, or, or do you really extend a guy that's this old if the team didn't maybe necessarily plan on him being there, but other than Forsyth, there's really no one on the roster to, uh, as his successor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if enough time has gone by in with Forsyth in camp, for them to project him as, as being a guy that no, I just plug in next year. I think with Brown, it was more of a case of he's 35, he's had some knee issues and they were not sure they wanted to get stuck in where they're paying a lot of money to an old player who's not playing. Um, and so, I mean, you got to make him happy. You got to get him out, out there and on the field and what do you, how do you do that? I mean, I don't think he's going to take a, here, we'll give you a raise for this year, but then you're still a free agent um, for next year. I don't think that's what it's going to take. You're going to need to get him at least another year after this one um, Mm -hmm. with some guaranteed money in it. So he knows he's going to play um, and actually extend it so that he knows long-term, like there's more money coming to him. And honestly, you got to keep Wilson happy. You don't know, 
you know, nothing about Stone Forsyth at this point. He hasn't even been in camp, you know, that long. Um, he's never played in the, even in a preseason games, so you know, nothing about him. And, you know, the, the tackle market is rough. Uh, and getting a, a franchise left tackle is hard. So I, I think you, you go ahead and, and do it. Plus, you know, you, you go ahead at, and do it. Like, what do you, what do you mean? What does that look like to you? Or does the team kind of take a stand here and say, listen, uh, we're going to evaluate this thing at the end of the year. You're under contract. We want you to play. Um, and you can hold out if you want, but you're going to miss, you know, you're going to miss some, uh, some weekly paychecks if you do, or do they just try to accommodate this thing? I know that they will try, but what if they don't, what if they can't reach an agreement and don't really want to He'll report, uh, on the Tuesday before the week one and he'll play having missed all of camp and all the practice and all of that. Uh, but he'll report in time to get paid for week one and, and do that, but he'll be disgruntled and you know, there's a lot of goodwill lost by it's hard to be disgruntled. It really is hard to be disgruntled when you're going to take home, you know, $10 million for 17 weeks worth of work. Yeah, but from his point of view, it's it isn't just about the ten million dollars, right? It's um, he's the you know he's been he came in and really solidified a line that was unbelievably terrible, and um, they needed him. He came in and did it. He's been a been a pros pro the whole time he's been here. He played all sixteen games last year. You've got guys like um, Trent Brown and, and Whitworth and other guys that have played at a high level into their late 30s. Um, so there's reason you know, to think that at the position you can do that. And he's just like, hey, I want... It's not just that he wants, hey, I want more money. It's I want an extension. I want, um, I want to know that I can play here for a few more years. He wants to stay here in Seattle. Uh, and I think at some point you go, okay, let's do it. And if Stone Forsyth is as good as um, everyone wants him to be so that maybe he can be the you know left tackle of the future, you put off when he becomes that a year and you let him play on the right side for a little bit. Uh, it's not a, it's not like, oh, well, we wasted this sixth round draft pick because we signed Brown to a two-year extension. Who cares? Um, he's, so what does the contract look like if they do extend him? I think he's looking um, at a little bit of a raise, get him up into the... I can't, I can't, I, I don't have uh, over the cap open or anything like that. So I don't know exactly where he's at this year, but I think he's like, you know, 10 to 12 or something like that. Um, so it would, it would, uh, it would, it I think that, you know, he's ago. probably worth it on the team if you can afford it, which the team can, they can in fact even uh, mm-hmm. create some cap space this year and push it a little bit. Um, they could probably give him a $3 million raise. He's and, 11 and a half million. And so you, you create, you, you give them some more bonus money. You give them the same base that he made this year and you just kind of make him happy, mm-hmm. make Russell Wilson happy. You, you, you add a year, which I think helps the team transition um, because we don't have a first round pick next year anyway. And so typically you're going to want to spend that on a left tackle of the future if, if you need one. And that gives the team a full year to evaluate stone foresight. And I just think that it's totally worth that $3 million for, you know, a raise 
So you're going to give him $15 million for an extra year. I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you basically leave this year where it's at and then you add, you're going to add one year at 15 million. I'm going to say add two years. Well, you know what I mean? One year guaranteed the second year would kind of, would drop off small guarantees. I don't think that makes him happy. Um, I think you add two years to the deal. You leave this year where it's at. Um, as far as compensation, maybe you switch some of it to bonus money because mm-hmm. you can. Um, and then the other two, you're looking at you know twelve million a year for both years, guarantee year two of the deal, um, and then have year three be one of those things where it becomes guaranteed in mid March. So the team has a a decision to make of whether they're going to keep him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I would do that deal. Yeah. And, and and it's, I mean, that's, that gives him the money he wants, the extension, the, the long-term, you know, um, the, you know, the, um, long-term security that he's looking for, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, hamstring you as far as like, Oh, we're tied to this player who's already Mm -hmm. 36 and whatever. And, um, no, so, and yeah, I would even, I would even, uh, guarantee it fully before the league year starts that way he's ready for, um, free agency, you know, should it come, you don't want to hamstring him. Well, I, yeah, he wouldn't I agree just, to be hamstrung before or, you know, getting yeah. guarantees or getting cut after free agency starts. That would be a little weird for him, but yeah, I hear so you. it would be yeah, in there, but it's what I mean. Like, so usually free agency starts like the 8th of March. So you have the deadline for that be the 7th or the 6th. Mm-hmm. That way, so, if Seattle's ready and, mm-hmm. and they're forecasting the draft already and they've got players in position, they could cut him and let him go, save that go, money. He could and, go find a team, yeah. Okay, so let's transition to our main segment today. What, what I thought we would do is we would go through the roster position groups and mention a couple players in each group, one riser, one faller, where you think they're at, um, where the team roster is in general before we get to our first preseason game. And then we'll transition to, to looking at the Oakland. I did it again, the Las Vegas Raiders and, um, and kind of see what we want to see from that game. So I don't think that we really need to go through the quarterbacks unless, unless you do. Um, to me, it's, we already know the answers on that. We already, we, know who won, we already know who won into our quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Let's start with running backs. Um, why don't we talk about who's rising and whose opportunity maybe is lacking right now? DJ Dallas to me is rising. He continues to look good. I would also include uh, Alex Collins as a rising player. Um, Travis Homer would be my falling because he just isn't playing. He's out. And honestly, Rashad Penny is falling. He's now dealing with a hamstring injury. And that was the one concern. He just can't seem to stay healthy as a pro. And when you've got Dallas, who looks really just explosive and Collins, who is really good in, in the outside zone running, just runs really smart. um, As long as he can keep ball in his hands and not on the ground. Um, Alex Collins plays way bigger than he actually is. Yeah. Cause he's like six foot two ten, mm-hmm. and he looks like he's like six one two twenty when he, when he runs. Yeah. Um, now he, he did put the ball on the ground a couple times, uh, but he hasn't had any issues since. And the team, I, from what I understand is really, 
uh, high on him. And I think that he definitely makes the roster. I agree with you on that. I think Chris Carson showed why he's still number one and Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't forget about his value to the team during the scrimmage. We didn't talk about the scrimmage at all. Maybe we kind of worked that in uh, to this thing, but he looked good. (laughs) There's just Um, a lot to talk about this week. (laughs) There is. And there's been a little bit of time between the scrimmage and now. So it seems like it's an afterthought at this point, but we'll, we'll kind of tie it in. He looked really good. Carson's not rising or falling because he's the starter. He's the number one and he's going to stay that way. Um, it doesn't really matter what anybody else does. I'll mention Nick um, Ballore too. Nick Ballore is rising in the fact that he got some defensive snaps at linebacker this last couple of weeks because of the injuries. Yeah. But at at uh, at fullback, uh, not so much probably. Yeah. It's okay. The, the more you can do, right? He's a he can play fullback and block in the goal line packages if you have to. He can play linebacker in a pinch because that's what he did for the first six years in his, of his career. And um, he's a special teams ace and captain. So uh, let's just say he made the roster because he's not going anywhere. So there's a new guy on the roster, too, um, from the last time that we recorded. Cameron Scarlett, running back, I think, from Stanford. Um, he was getting an opportunity to show. Also, Josh Johnson um, laid the ball down during the scrimmage, and Puna Ford returned that sucker back mm-hmm. for a 15-yard defensive touchdown, which was fun to watch. Love not so fun that to see the touchdown. miss. Though from Smith and Josh, they kind of missed that pitch. Uh, and Josh thought it was going to be a handoff, and uh, the ball went to the turf, and the defense got it. And that was mm-hmm. a fun play for the defense. It was a fun play for the defense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Watching Puna Ford rumble and, and all his teammates going down there to celebrate that was that was pretty awesome. Yep. So, let's talk about the wide receiver group. It's a large group with a lot of players, and there's some injuries in a couple different spots that probably tends to put that player maybe in a, in a falling category where in likelihood they'll have mm-hmm. a pretty decent impact on the roster going forward. But right now it's, it is what it is. You can say Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are at the top and they're showing why in camp and during the, the, uh, the, the scrimmage. In fact, DK Metcalf had that opening drive 45 yard completion from Wilson. He, he looks better. He was already oh, fantastic dude. last year. Yeah. And he just, he works so hard in the off season that, I just don't know if that guy actually has a ceiling. I really I don't. Know. don't. I, he, he is like Superman. He's my only, crazy. My only concern is if that if he gets any more chiseled, like we just won't have words to describe <laughs> the him. The players anymore. will just bounce off him as he runs <laughs> down the field. He'll just have this like force field around him. Oh, um, <laughs> no, a lot of what was it's, you know, when I'm looking at this, the, the guys that I think would be competing for roster spots, have been banged up. Um, I mean, Penny Hart has looked good in a number of practices. He did not show at all when I was there. Um, but I keep reading that he, he did well and, and, uh, played okay in the, in the, in the scrimmage. I think he's going to make the team. Um, and then I think it's even more than that, Keith. It, when you take a look at Waldron's offense, I think he's a key cog actually, he might, he especially might. splitting time with Eskridge. Yeah. He might well, Eskridge, Eskridge, off the field. Eskridge has to get healthy and learn yeah. the offense. Um, so he might go into the year as the number three. Um, well, he's yeah. going to go into Saturday as and, the number three. Yeah. And so then you look at, at the guys that are really competing for spots um, four, five, and six. And, and Eskridge is going to make the team, but he's been hurt for a while with that toe injury. Kate Johnson's now banged up. John Ursua has looked good at times in camp. Um, he's banged up, although he's getting some reps through it. He's not like just completely sitting out. 
that'll help him. Freddie Swain has looked good. I think he's on the roster and maybe uh, has a chance for the number three guy. And then, I mean, then there's just a bunch. Of well, I understand the team stuff. really likes Cody Thompson still, and he's been performing well. But other than that, everyone else is just kind of in the mix and not getting a ton of reps in mm-hmm. camp. Just That's because. the thing is they're not getting reps, which means they're not showing, which right. means they're not getting an opportunity to make the team. Well, I mean, you've got Eskridge down now and Penny Hart. That does open it up maybe a little bit for Aaron Fuller. And, and Aaron Fuller could have, um, and the only reason I say that is a similar player. The only, um, the upside would be that he gets some playing time in this game and, um, and the team gets a, a chance to look at him mm-hmm. when it quote unquote really counts, um, for a preseason game, uh, guys like Aaron Fuller, this is their time. And so I'd, I'd be interested to see kind of what he looks like in this game coming up. Yeah. It'll be um, interesting. He, and Cody Thompson, I, the team likes him, but at some point you have to show up on the field and like the team he's got to go steal a spot the, the, yeah the team the team may like him but he didn't show up on the field during the practice that i was at i haven't seen him really stand out at any point for the practices that i've watched um you know through the through the the feed when when it's been going it's just yeah they like him but show me something give me a reason why you like him yeah. show up during one of these games and really make me take notice of you because I'm, I'm still waiting on him. Yeah. A guy like that, a bubble player, and he knows that he's a bubble player and he worked his ass off in the off season. He came in specifically having a mindset. Now I'm just thinking uh, that this is what he's thinking. Uh, having a mindset of going and stealing Freddie Swain's job. Like that's the mindset that Cody Thompson should have had coming into this camp is like, I got to do everything I can to make sure that I'm showing enough where the team is seriously considering me over a guy like Freddie Freddie's, Swain. Freddie Swain's job safe. At this point now, he's looking at getting that sixth wide receiver spot. And that's true. And that ho- is true. And hoping to, you know, that that you know he's in in competition with other guys uh, for that sixth wide receiver spot. He better play a lot of special teams. Well, let's talk about another so, position group that could impact whether they keep six or five tight, tight end. end. Man, the tight end group. This is you could put every one of these guys in the rising category. I think. Well, Gerald Everett looks. Uh, he's the best of the group, and the group is great. Um, and I, I just think it's, as a receiver, he's so he's so smooth. He he really knows what the offense is. He's got great hands. He's been um, one of the better pass catchers um, in practice and everything. I, he's yeah, he's rising. He's the starter. Um, Will Disley is still one of the the best blockers at tight end in the NFL, and he does seem to be moving better than he did last year. So I think he's finally healthy. I mean, I know that he played all 16 games last year, but you could tell he just was still recovering from, you know, the two catastrophic injuries from two two years in a row. So um, he looks better. And then you can't tell me that Colby Parkinson isn't, uh, showing and he's not, he's going to get a lot of reps and a he's lot of be playing a time actor. Yeah, he is. And he's the third string tight end. Um, I kind of feel bad for Tyler Mabry because he looks like he could be a player as well, but you're so looking, do you keep you're Tyler looking Mabry up at, on the roster versus a guy like Cody Thompson, Aaron Fuller, somebody on the back end, Kate Johnson, have um, a wide receiver group. I would say yes. 
because of what he does on special teams and his ability to play, um, you know, block for field goal um, and punt teams and then get downfield on, on you know, on the they punt team and that kind of stuff. Four, they may elect to keep four tight ends and six wide receivers, depending on what they do at running back and the offensive line. You know, yeah. if the, is there a couple offensive linemen that are, you know, swing guards, swing tackles that could fill in at center type of thing where you could go with one less than you normally might and keep a guy on the practice squad and just keep a guy up on the roster just for special teams out of yeah. one of these groups that we're talking about. Maybe. And, 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 and Mabry would be a guy that would get that, that, that bump if they, if they do that. Um, if we move on to the, to the offensive line, um, a very interesting thing that came up is Phil Haynes is now filling in at center and getting an opportunity to compete to be the to be the starting center because wow what Ethan, I did not hear about the center thing with him but yeah, I, I heard he was he was kind of moving up the depth chart a little bit yeah Ethan Posick's been out with mm-hmm. um, you know I think it's a hamstring um, and so you know Kyle Fuller's been getting most of the snaps with the starters and they moved Phil Haynes over to center to pick up you know with the twos and then the last you know couple of days he's been getting this the snaps with the ones i think they're he's moving his way up in front of uh, jordan simmons then yes um and it looks like he's moving in front of kyle fuller uh as a a guy that can play both and and i mean he's he's a guy he's a road grader as far as a um just hasn't been able to stay healthy yeah well you know what jordan simmons has never been able to stay healthy and then last year he did so you know, maybe Phil Haynes has finally has finally got that um, that figured out a little better. Um, but yeah, I mean, him moving over, you got Fuller who can play inside and out. Um, Post so you're play talking, inside and out. I mean, center and guard. Um, yeah, so you're talking Phil Haynes is is definitely rising. Oh, yeah, who's, absolutely. Who's falling out of this group? Um, I would have to say Brandon Shell is either just holding court or he's dropping off a little bit because he's getting pushed. Well, I know, you know that Cedric Abue is yeah. a little bit of an injury thing for this last scrimmage thing. I think he's, he's going to be okay, but um, it's still a competition there. At yeah. Right. Tackle. Well, and, and I mean, he is, he is got that injury. That's going to give shell an opportunity to kind of hold on to the spot a little bit. Um and Jamarco Jones is injured too now. Yeah, and he would be a guy that I would say is falling just because um, he they you know they have him as a tackle, but he's clearly not in the top two on the right side. And with Stone Forsyth kind of getting in and all the like, all the reps with the twos, and even most of the reps with the ones because um, with Dwayne Brown out, I mean it started out with Jamarco Jones getting all the sta- all the snaps with the ones, um, you know. Uh, in practice, but now Stone Forsyth, Stone Forsyth has been, and Jones has kind of been dropped. I'm, I'm like, so he's a guy that to me is sliding. Uh, Stone which, Forsyth had tons of reps in that scrimmage on the left side in place of Dwayne Brown, and the team indicates that they really liked what they saw, which was a great opportunity for Stone. Oh yeah, he's he's a I mean he's a guy with um got the. There's so much to like about him. I know he needs to add some functional strength in his. But the his, team loves his work ethic. Like he just puts his head down. Is, he doesn't, you know, yeah. say much. He just goes in and, 
and tries to do his job. And yep. Pete mentioned that specifically. Yeah, his um, his run blocking is needs some work, but his pass blocking is excellent. That's why I still think he's the left tackle of the future. Um, but, you know, with Jones, I mean, he's looking at right now being the fifth tackle. What does Jones weigh currently? Do you know? Because no. he came in, I think he started around 296 or something like that when he first came into the, onto the team. I'm wondering if he's up close to 305. Oh, he, yeah, when he first joined joined the team um, out of college, he was on a little bit on the light side. But he, he bulked up because he was playing more inside. And then now they've got him on the outside again. I honestly think, like I said, he's the fifth tackle on this team right now. Um, and then it depends on so where he, you see. He could end up on where the you, outside looking in. Then. Well, yeah. And it also depends on where you see Tommy Champion, who the team really likes. Um, I could see them, if they keep Jones, it's because he can play guard and tackle. So he becomes one of those guys that because he can play four out of the five positions, he sticks around so they can mm-hmm. keep fewer guys on the roster total. Um, and then a guy like Jordan Simmons doesn't make the team. So let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. Let's stick with the interior uh, line and, and look at the defensive tackles. Who's uh, rising and falling, Keith? Uh, can Huna Ford rise even though he's already been a three-year starter the team loves him oh god he just continues to get better um so yeah i mean he's a he's a guy that uh just continues to get better continues to look good it, it, he's fun um lj collier has been uh it's interesting I, that you put him in this group that he's a guy that continues to look good and and, and show um his ability and it was funny, just a couple of years ago, everyone was like, wow, maybe this guy's a complete bust after he did nothing his rookie year and just really didn't look like he belonged out there. And then last year he became, you know, one of those pieces that we really liked. And then uh, this year he looked, he's, you can tell he's fighting for playing time. He's like, he is not giving up his job to Kerry Hyder uh, without a fight. And I still think Kerry Hyder gets Mark it. But, um, but yeah, uh, Collier is going to get a chance. Um, and he's fighting for it and doing well. So, um, those are, are my risers. Uh, Have you heard anything about Al Woods this year? I literally haven't read a single word on what he's doing in camp so far. No, he's just been Al Woods. Um, I mean, when he was with the team before, did you hear about him at all during camp? Well, that's concerning to me a little bit because it's camp and you hear about everybody that's kind of playing well. Pete singles guys out, all that kind of stuff, pros, pro, et cetera. I haven't yeah. heard anything. I don't know. Woods is, he was out there. He was doing his work. Um, they brought him in for a, a specific role. Um, Kim DJ is a little banged up, so that he's not making an impact and, and not getting a chance to, to do his thing. Cedric Lattimore has looked pretty good. Um, you know, Monet is Ben Monet. I got I can't, seeing him in person, he doesn't look like an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's one of those steel doors that you use at nuclear uh, facilities to uh-huh. yeah make sure that nobody gets in or out. God, he is he is a, <laughs> he is a big guy, um, but you know they love what he does, and so you you know how many interior linemen are you going to keep, right? And well, I think we've mentioned him. You know, I think Kim Dietschy makes this roster if he stays on track because yeah. um, 
just from the upside there um, and his diversity, scheme diversity a little bit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned LJ Collier, probably put him in the defensive end group, but nonetheless, he's in there playing three tech the majority of the time. Al Woods and Puna Ford and Monet, you've got five there. So let's talk about the defensive ends and see if we can overall, I think they're going to keep what, nine? 10 if they keep one less linebacker maybe or one less safety or something's got to give. So let's talk about that. Typically it's nine um, uh, for the defensive line. And so if you keep five defensive tackles, if you, I would think that they keep five. I think they keep four defensive tackles. If you call uh, LJ Collier a defensive end. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, if you keep five, you're counting LJ Collier as a, a tackle. Um, but I think they keep nine overall. So Collier, um, obviously Dunlap, Hyder, Daryl Taylor, although Daryl Taylor can probably count as a linebacker. Yes. Um, I mean, those guys all look good. Um, can we put Alden Smith on the on the, the ones that are going down? Because he already got cut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Green, you know. He's had a couple. T- that's a tough one. He's had a couple of plays in camp, but I just don't. Um, it's it. The problem, the part of it with with these guys is that sometimes it's hard to see what um, the defensive ends are doing because contact is limited, and they don't want guys just going full um, and and all that kind of stuff. So they have them working on specific things rather than just trying to get after the quarterback. And so it's like, here, I want you to work on this move over and over again. Well, that makes it. Um, easier on the defensive tackle and it makes it look like the player is not doing well, but that's not necessarily what the coach is looking at. So it's, it's hard, but um, yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got those, you know, Taylor Dunlap, Hyder, Collier, um, Robinson. There's 11 guys that I would keep at the defensive tackle and defensive end. If you include Rasheem green, if you don't keep Rasheem green, you know, you're, yeah, so yeah. you're, but you're including Benson Mayoa. So yeah, so Al Woods, one, Puna Ford, Brian Monet, Kim Dichie, that's four. And then Mayoa, five, Collier, Green, Robinson, Dunlap, Taylor Hyder, that's 11. So if you take Rasheem Green out and then you count Taylor as a linebacker, you're at nine. Yeah, which is probably what's going to happen. Um, it makes is, the most sense. You're going to count Daryl Taylor as, as a strong side linebacker. Um, and that's a great way for us to move into linebackers because your starters, um, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, and Daryl Taylor, those guys aren't going anywhere. Those are, are your starters, and all of them look good. Um, Hold on. I want to stop you for half a second. But we just cut Rasheen Green, and we didn't even think about it, really. Yeah. I'm just. I just thought I'd mention that. Like, it was just like, we're going to cut Rasheem Green. You were just like, okay, let's talk about linebackers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is great. I think we should. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. It's like, wow, well, that, that, how far he's fallen, you know, just kind of yep. crazy. Somebody's going to get a fairly decent rotation player yeah. on a weak defensive line. I think that he could have an impact. Um, and I, I, there's just too many guys, unless somebody gets injured before the regular season starts. I mean, I don't to me, you're looking, the roster. you're looking at, um, Rasheem Green and Benson Mayoa, even though they play on opposite sides of the line. Um, and totally completely different players. And or um, Robert Kimtiche, if he, if the team decides they don't want to, don't want to roll with him for 
any of the available possible reasons. Um, and neither of those players are really good special team candidates. No. So they can't save themselves because of that. It's probably going to end up going to a linebacker or safety. So, okay. So linebackers. Okay. So yeah. So the three starters are set. Jordan Brooks, I'd put on the, uh, on the rising, um, because he just continues to look outstanding. Um, I know Cody Barton is banged up at the moment, but he's looked good in camp. He looks quick. Um, his, the issue with him for, you know, so far up in his career is he hasn't been the surest tackler, which the coaches in Seattle don't like. They want, they, Mm -hmm. they don't like missed tackles, especially from their linebackers. Um, and that is something we're gonna have to see him at game speed to see if, if he's made any progress on that. Uh, I'll but be I would, really interested. I'll stop you right there for a half a second. Mm-hmm. I'd be really interested to see if he remains injured for whatever reason. And the team elects to start him on some sort of IR list. If a guy like John Radican, which, which is an undersized guy at six foot two thirty five or something like that, but the team is really high on him. He's injured right now, but if Cody Barton can't go, Ben Burkirvan's probably going to make it on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got Aaron Donker and Nate Evans. Donker's almost guaranteed to get that exemption spot on the practice squad for an international exchange guy. Yep. That leaves John Raddick and really a guy on the bubble that could make it. And I understand if he wasn't injured right now, he'd be a riser in my book. Cause I, I've, I've heard from multiple sources that the team really likes what, what they're seeing with that undrafted rookie free agent. Yeah. I mean, um, but he's hurt. So we'll see yeah. what, what happens with him. Um, what do you think about the, the linebacker group overall? It seems somewhat light after the three starters. Well, it always does. I mean, that's, that's the case of, of NFL linebackers because you have your three starters. You're going to play most of your snaps in the nickel these days. So you really only have two guys that you need to keep on the field and you need, um, you know, uh, Daryl Taylor is, is kind of a specialist on the strong side because he'll move up to defensive end. And so you need a backup that can back up your two guys that are going to play all the time. And Cody Barton's that guy. Um, after that, you have special teams guys and you worry about health. Um, but that's kind of the modern uh, NFL roster um, is you have your three guys, you have a backup, you have a special teams guy. And well, that kind of leads to the, the safety group. In, in a sense, when you're roster building, you're, you're having the same exact conversation with this group. And mm-hmm. how that transitions into the corner group because you're going to keep nine guys again in between those two, unless you do something else like on the defensive line or somewhere on the offense, you steal a player, you keep 24 on the, you know, on the other side and you keep 26 on the defensive side. Well, so, if you go, if you go, um, you know, nine, six, it would be nine, six and 10, right. To get to 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we, they keep nine on, on the front line, they'll keep 10 on the back end. Um, and that's tends to be what the Seahawks do. Sometimes they go to 11 on the back end uh, just for the special teams. Yeah. Uh, aspect and and take one away from the offense. I agree. And that's what they did last year. So, um, so let's talk about the safeties. So that's, to me, this is a really loaded group and maybe the best camp battle group, I mm-hmm. think, or one of the best in the last three weeks here before, you know, where we get a chance to really evaluate players. I'm really looking at this group as kind of being at a, I want to see what they do in the scheme with this group. Um, and then B, I want to see who, who takes that fourth or fifth spot 
And it sounds like Ashari Croswell might be a, a candidate for that. Absolutely. I, I think the top four set with Adams, Diggs, Neil, and Blair, not necessarily in that order because I'd put Blair before Neil, but I think those four guys are set um, on the roster. And then if you're looking for a true backup to Diggs, Ashari Crosswell is the guy. Um, now, if he if Diggs does get hurt, Blair's probably going to play back there and they'll, they'll figure out a way to make that work. Um, but Crosswell looks, he's quick. He's got some range. Um, he plays smart. I mean, he's a guy that uh, has really kind of shown well in camp. And I think he's going to be a guy that um, makes this roster, especially if he shows that he has some special teams chops as the fifth uh, safety. So it'll be interesting because of Neil. I think Neil offers that diversity and we showed what he could do last year and they really like him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you go to the corners and you run down that group and you look at it and you go, well, they are not going to give up on Trey Brown right away. Too high of a draft pick. Nope. I, I, he doesn't, he makes the roster. Then you look at basically Trey Flowers and Demarius Randall being bubble guys. And I understand Trey Flowers Trey is having Flowers a great and, camp and, and yeah. Demarius Randall has that scheme diversity. And then you look at Ryan Neal and Croswell, something's got to give. Well, you've got, yeah, Witherspoon, um, Reed, Flowers, Amadi, and Brown. Those five appear to be the guys that they're going to roll with. Um, and then it comes down to... Yeah, if they're going to run with those five and you have five safeties, there's your 10. And so that leaves Demarius Randall on the outside looking in. That leaves Pierre Desir on the outside looking in. Um, maybe Ashari Crosswell gets cut and lands on the practice squad so they can keep a guy like Desir or Randall. But um, This is where a guy has a small sprained ankle and ends up on injured reserve <laughs> because yeah. you want to stash him, you know. Yeah, or Demarius Randall's actually um, banged up right now, and and maybe that hangnail he has gets infected and has to go on injured reserve for the first six weeks, um, and then you come off injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is that kind of thing because they, you've got more guys than roster spots, and it's the same thing up front, right? Uh, I mean, I, I guess if they keep if they only keep five safeties, you could go ten, five, and ten. Um, I'm sorry, safety. If, if they only keep five linebackers, you could go 10, 5, and 10. They tend to keep a sixth uh, linebacker and then well, that's um, with nine Nick up Ballor front. Too. I mean, you can count him kind of a, a swinging back and forth on, on offense and defense. But it is interesting because last year it was kind of, they went with 26 on the offense and they went with 24 on the defense yep. for almost the entire year. Which is um, weird. That, that That's yeah. abnormal. But because they loved their wide receiver group last year. Well, and also because they... Guys kept getting hurt on defense, and so they were just trying to put a team together on de- defense. They didn't have extra guys they needed roster spots for. So uh, that was part of the problem. The good news is we're going to do this again in a, in a few weeks. Uh, we've got two weeks between the final preseason game and the regular season start, and so we're going to have a show in there that's a roster prediction show. I th- Well, actually, I think the roster prediction show is right before the cuts. Um, before the regular season. So I think on August 31st, we're going to have the show and September 1st is the cut date, something like that. Um, all right. Anything else, Keith, that we want to cover in this show? And, um, and I think the, the thing that's coming up 
Well, actually, we, we want to get to the um, Las Vegas Raiders kind of match up a little bit. We're not going to talk too much about the Raiders roster. We can we can kind of mention it a little bit. Um, well, but, I mean, but we kind of want to talk about what we want to see season. out of the yeah. game, I think, is is the, the thing. Because we know what they've got Yep. as far as Derek Carr and Mayo and, you know, a couple of the, they got Kenyon Drake and, and Scarborough at, at running back. It'll be interesting to see those guys. Like Quentin Jefferson is on their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody remembers Quentin Jefferson from a couple of years ago, had a free agency contract with Buffalo and now he's out. And um, so anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's the first preseason game. So I don't really care about any kind of matchups or what the other team's doing. What I want to see is all out of my team. Um, I want to see the offense have some rhythm to it, um, have some tempo, which they showed in the, in the scrimmage. I liked the, the tempo Wilson got everyone on the line faster, the ability. So there was never this getting out of the huddle with like 12 seconds left on the play clock and scrambling to get the playoff. They were up at the line, you know, working with tempo. And and, and I want to see that. And I want to see the running game continue to work with the outside zone runs because, uh, you know, that's the whole revamped running game. I just want to see it continue to work. Um, So, you know, that's really what I'm looking for. Um, offensively, I mean, yeah, everyone's like, yeah, I want to see the, you know, uh, DK Metcalf catch a bomb. Well, you know, he's going to do that in the regular season and yeah, we'll see he's him gonna practice. Take, and, he's going to take a handful of snaps in this game. Yeah. He's going to have a few and then they're going to set him because there's no re- reason for him. Well, they to got so many other guys they want to look at too. Yeah. And you've got one less preseason games to make the, those evaluations. So, uh, really to me, that's what I want, want to see. I, I want to see the offense work in unison at tempo. Um, so that everyone kind of knows what's going on and it just has that efficiency and people know what's think, going on. I think that that's going to be really important, especially against this defense, because oh, uh, I was going to say it again. Las Vegas puts a really fast, quick, young, mm-hmm. hungry defense on the field. Like their defense is, I think, is underrated uh, going into the game. And it's not like this game counts or anything, but be, I'll be very interested to see how that speed overall on their defense counters what Shane Waldron wants to do on the offensive side of the ball. Because I think speed is the best way to counter like mm-hmm. a Shane Waldron offense. And so I think this is actually a really good indicator of kind of where the offense is at this early in the, mm-hmm. in the process of trying to adopt this new system and see if they can adapt in game to what the, the Raiders are putting on the field. And, uh, you know, whether it's um, Russell Wilson audibling at the line of scrimmage, we've seen that in the scrimmage and he's come out and said, Hey, I've got the freedom to change any play in the playbook this year at any time, which is, I think, He's earned that opportunity, and I think oh, he, he's, he'll be he good at it. He earned that years ago, but they, yeah. they're finally giving it to him. And I know that at times they say, oh, yeah, he can change any play or whatever, but it's obvious that there are times <laughs> when when he can't, right? He's um, being told, you know, you have to go run this play because he doesn't want to. He can, you can see he has, you can see the blitz in his face with no blocking, and he's just like, oh, now what am I supposed to do? Um, and he didn't have the option to change the play. I think this year he really does that Waldron's really empowering him to, to do that kind of stuff. So, um, so I was talking about the offense. What about the defense? What are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at the scheme. Number one, like where are the pass rushers going to come from? Where does Daryl Taylor impact this game? 
early. So the, probably the first two or three drives, I think will be a nice key indicator. Um, I think to counter that, I think Las Vegas tries to get the ball out pretty quickly at first, kind of get into a rhythm, counter some of the speed that we're going to see from Seattle's defense. Um, I expect the same thing in reverse as well um, for Seattle to be able to just kind of do the, the tempo thing like you talked about. Um, but I want to see where Daryl Taylor lines up specifically for the vast majority of his snaps. I think that'll be a, a good tell going forward. I want to see the impact that Marquis Blair has where he's lining up because they're going to put him all over the place. I want to see if he's able to drop back into coverage, cover, cover tight ends, running backs. I want to see if they put him up closer to the line of scrimmage to impact the run game. Um, and then on the back end, you know, I don't think that DJ Reed is going to be ready to play in this game. And so that gives a really nice opportunity for Trey Flowers um, to see where he's at. I understand he's having a terrific camp and his mindset is, is in the right spot this year. And then I want to see Weatherspoon. I want to see what he looks like as a football player, how tight he is in coverage. They're going up against a couple of guys um, on, on the, the Raiders side in um, Henry Ruggs who's just really dynamic. So Amadi is going to be interesting on that matchup, but also on the outside, I want to see Witherspoon in that matchup for sure. And then um, Brian Edwards, their number two wide receiver, has a lot of height, weight, speed combo in there. So they've got a couple of wide receivers that can kind of open it up a little bit. Plus they've got um, their tight end, um, Darren Waller, who's, you know, all world. And so it'll be interesting to see the, the linebacker matchups on him, t- Taylor dropping back, um, and everyone else in coverage too. Yeah, I mean, uh, the CX with Wagner and Brooks and then their their safety group, I mean, Adams isn't going to play, but, um, you know, with Blair and Neal, uh, they've got guys that can match up against tight ends. I just want to see what the scheme does. Because Do, it's, They've always had great linebackers and safeties that could match up against tight ends, but tight ends always were like the Achilles heel of that uh, that defense, especially in the Legion of Boom era. Um, not because of the, the lack of talent, but just because the team didn't seem to scheme and want to care um, about tight ends as much as other things. And so uh, I kind of do want to see what it looks like. They've got the athletes to, to cover them, but are they going to actually... Um, you know, change their alignments and, and get guys into coverage in a way that they can stop them or whether they're going to continue to um, say, okay, you know, if, if the tight end beats us fine, but the receivers aren't going to mm-hmm. um, like they used to. So yeah, that that will be interesting to see what they do with the scheme uh, on, you know, as far as the coverage there. And the sideline to sideline stuff. I want to see that speed from Brooks. I want to just see the, the, the impact on the field and mm-hmm. uh, what's, what that does to, to every other player. Um, especially like a guy like Blair, you know, a, a guy like Brooks who's playing within a scheme allows a guy like Blair to kind of be able to move around a little bit and play on instincts and just go after stuff because Blair's just a guy that just, when he hits you, you know it. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that, you know, I just, he has so much potential and we just haven't seen enough of him on the field to really know how he's going to fit in the defense in the way that they really want. Yeah. That, field. His injury last year is really unfortunate that um, we were both really looking forward to seeing his new role and, and all the different cool ways that they were going to get him on the field and what they were going to have him do. And then he, you know, 
hurt that knee and we didn't get to see any of it. And it's just, it was really unfortunate. So hopefully we'll get a chance to, to see more of that this, um, this year. So the next time we show up, we're going to do a half hour show and, it'll and be a, we're going to talk about, about this game. game. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We'll be talking about what we saw when we watched football. Yay. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I am too. I am too. It's going to be great. Um, so lots of changes in store. You guys won't see a lot of those changes. Uh, our show format, um, going three half hour shows a week is, is the, the change that you will notice content wise. We're going to be back with the same content. You won't see any format, no, uh, change as we, uh, ramp up onto the pigskin network at all. You're going to see, um, we'll probably have an, an opening ad where we, uh, where we plug a product. Um, and that'll be the, the change that you will notice everything else is going to stay the same. So yeah, it'll still be us. It'll just be, uh, like you could tell in this show, we, there was like a definite spot in the middle where we could have said, all right, we'll be back tomorrow with the other half. Um, and that's, that's just what we're, that, that when we talk about changing the format and, and having it be half hour, uh, shows, that's what we meant is that we're, uh, we'll take those obvious breaking points and, and, um, come in and do them the next day. So you don't have Perfect. to sit here and listen for the whole 68 minutes that we've been on. And as I sit here and ramble for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll tighten this thing up a little bit and it'll be easier for people to, to digest and you'll end up having a show in your feed three times a week, which will be great uh, for those that, that like to break those up and, and, um, and all that. So until next time, follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Seahawksplaybook.com has all of the content. And uh, you can follow us on YouTube as well. We would love to have you subscribe to all of our uh, content feeds. So all of your favorite podcast apps. And then on YouTube, if you follow the channel, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. That would be outstanding. Um, I've got a lot of interaction. In fact, more interaction on um, on YouTube on the discussion threads after we post than any other um, any other fan interaction. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us, you want to comment on the show at all, that's a great place to do it. So, with that said, we'll see you next week and go Hawks. Go Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.